Welcome to Six Degrees of Rumination with your host, Nina Boyd. Fucking Reno Gorman. Fucking producer Mike. Oh, I feel like my intro was a little lackluster Do for it myself again. now. All right, this is fucking Nina Boyd. Um, and this is fucking episode 98. We're Fuck almost yeah, at 100. Is. Yeah. Oh my God. What are we going to do at 100? Um, quit? Yeah. Quit? <laughs> Just quit while we're ahead. It's a good time. Yeah. No, we'll probably keep going. We'll, we'll see what happens. <sighs> we'll find out. Oh. Yeah. No, we'll. we'll Definitely going to keep going now. Yeah. Fuck. What are we, exactly. what are we talking about in uh, episode 98? Well, in episode 98, we have some crazy articles. There is one that I want to kind of keep secret that we'll start with first. Um, and then some other sciencey ones talking about turbines, crystals that make their own kinetic energy. Turbines, you said. Oh, man, I can't <laughs> right, wait for those right turbines. Turbines. <laughs> um, We've got your. So basically, uh, I can take a nap this episode. No, no, no. There, trust yeah. me. There are all kinds of, I don't know, interesting things. We got Stonehenge. We've got AI. We've got death. We've got death. Yeah, that's Stonehenge. At the end. Yep. Yeah, Stonehenge. We're gonna talk about Stonehenge. Stonehenge a, turbines. Who gives a fuck about a Look, bunch of rocks in a there's field? There's <laughs> updates on Stonehenge. Okay. There's new shit happening there. New shit has come to light, man. That's right. What did one of the rocks fall? Oh, don't worry. We'll tell you. But first. We're going to talk about this fucking article here. So, Mike, I have good news for you. Um, apparently, repeating the F word can increase your pain threshold. I know. Don't you mean you fucking know? <laughs> I'm, well, I don't always have to use the F word. Wow. This is the one time he doesn't use it during well, this article. I've used it so much that my pain threshold has been maxed out. So you're at like peak. <laughs> peak pain. Peak efficiency. Well, I, like, avoiding pain. And so um, I'll just give you a reference for that, like right now. Yeah. My dentist is very impressed with me. Not that this is something to brag about, but this I had to get a complete downer from the article. I had to get a, a couple of teeth removed. You know, two two wisdom teeth and one that just didn't want to be a tooth anymore. <laughs> I'm tired of being a tooth. Yeah. <laughs> Fucking tired. I want to be free. I checked out every day, just shoving my food down you. You know that shot that you get to numb your mouth? Oh. Mm-hmm. Doesn't bother me. On the roof know. of your mouth? It doesn't. I hate nothing. that one. Oh, it's man. so, you know, that uh, yeah, they can't yeah. even like talk right now. I don't even flinch. Do you say fuck before they give you the shot? <laughs> fuck, no. fuck, 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 fuck. No, it actually, it genuinely surprised my dentist. He was like, are you good? Did you feel that? I'm, did I do it right? Like he didn't think he th- actually thought for a second that he didn't actually administer the shot because well, I didn't react. You made a medical professional question their own yeah. expertise. And I was like, no, you got me. It's going numb. And he just, he couldn't believe that I had zero reaction to it. And then when he actually pulled the tooth, I was just sat there. And well, we started, he, would, he was like making it like he made something that I was able to joke about. And I tried to like joke about it while he was pulling my tooth and we had a laugh. Like it was like, whatever. Well, at that point, you had the pain. Yeah, I had no, but you so, still yeah. feel the 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 pressure of the tooth being removed from yeah, your head. That's a weird. Feeling. Reno, have you had tooth uh, teeth pulled before? Uh, only when I was a kid. When okay. I was a kid, I had like a dead dead tooth that they. I, mean, I remember it feeling like a hammer. I don't know if they numbed you they up or not because I don't remember getting ever getting a shot mm. in my mouth. Yeah. But they just like knocked it back and forth three times and it was out. I remember it was a bunch of blood and I remember it being unpleasant yeah mine wasn't like i want to say sometimes they'll give you a shot on the mouth and sometimes it's like in your arm or something it just depends maybe like where mm. the tooth is and where the nerves are but i had teeth like eight my arm. teeth pulled when i was a kid because my mouth was so small and then i got a pal oh, wow. expander after that oh man and they still had to do it so. did you have to like crank your yeah my mom expander? did that your yeah. mom cranked it for you yeah you can't i'm sure adults could do it but at the time i was like a teenager and it's easier if Couldn't someone be else. Trusted with it. <laughs> it's easier if someone else who can see what they're doing yeah. does it. You know, okay. that was terrible. It was like an instant migraine. Oh god! Every yeah, time it sounds you turn it. fucking awful. It's like people that get their mouths wired shut. Mm-hmm. Fuck! Yeah, oh, that'd be awful. <laughs> so luckily, yeah. there's. I mean, you know. Luckily, there's the F word. Novocaine <laughs> is great. Yeah, but luckily, there's the F word. Save the day. So I didn't know this. Um, back in 2009, there was a study that won the Nobel Prize for quote confirming the widely held belief that swearing relieves pain. And then much more recently, there was another study that kind of built on this past one, um, where they wanted to prove if saying swear words could really help you uh, block out your pain or like increase your pain threshold. So this current experiment that they did was with a bunch of college students. There was a control group um, and then uh, another group who was actually saying swear words, but they put their hands in buckets of ice water for, I think, like an hour or something. 
And one of the groups was instructed to say a neutral phrase over and over again. The other group um, said the F word or like, I guess, other swear words. And then a third group said made up swear words, which I thought was interesting. What were, what were the uh, made up the, words again? <laughs> the made up swear words were Fouch and Twiz Pipe. Fouch? That yeah. almost sounds like ouch. Like that, that's yeah, a question. Like a mix of fuck and ouch, I guess. Or fouchy. That just sounds like. <laughs> fouchy, fouchy, you know? fouchy, 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 fouchy. Yeah, and so I guess they were trying to say. Are we like, going there, dude? Yeah. No, no, no. They were trying to say, does it matter if it's like the actual F word or can you say like a nonsense swear word with mm-hmm. like the swear word intent behind mm-hmm. it? But apparently the actual F word was more effective. Well, mentally, you still know the difference. Yeah, you yeah. do. And I think yeah. that's a huge part of it. I wonder. So, so, Maybe it's real quick. To all yeah. of our nerds listening out there, the 2009 uh, oh, Nobel, yeah, yeah. Uh, Nobel Award for Science did not go to this uh, study. It was the Ig Nobel Prize, which is a satirical oh. uh, prize that's awarded to uh, unusual, okay. weird science stuff or well, stuff, outlandish stuff. So, What the goddamn fuck are this, you talking about? It's like a tiny little... Well, he didn't have it pulled up, but like... It's hard to see it in that line of text. But yeah, like, I mean, this definitely qualifies as unusual science experiments. Yeah. So they didn't win the Nobel Peace say, Prize or okay. Nobel Prize for, for science. It, it was the Ig Nobel Peace oh, Prize. So I have a wondering. Still, still fairly prestigious, though. I mean, it's an interesting study, and clearly yeah. it holds up over time. So question. Yeah. All right. Answer. All right. Look at that. That's why I have nerd <laughs> friends. Yeah, here um, we go. I've got it all here. So I remember I, I've, I've been trained in martial arts in my past and stuff like that. And one of the things we had was called a ki. Mm-hmm. And what that is, is you actually like when you're punching or receiving a blow, you actually let out like a mm-hmm. like, like a cry, like a call or something mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. And I remember well, part of my training was it's like when I, we would get punched in our core area, mm-hmm. uh, either on the chest or in the abdominal stomach area. And right as we're getting hit, we had to let out that call. Mm-hmm. And you were able to take the hit way better doing that. Mm-hmm. And you and it was a specific word that you had to use. You couldn't just be like ah or some bullshit. <laughs> yeah, like there was a like there was a <laughs> Fouch! Yeah, yeah, like it wasn't. We didn't say uh, like we got used to the idea over mm-hmm. our period of training that this was the word associated mm-hmm. with that action, whether you were giving or receiving the blow. So in a sense, it became mentally like a, like a word for swearing, but without the without the profanity behind it. I'm just wondering if it's kind of the same thing because I remember yeah. like yeah, I, when I would get hit while sparring, if using that word, it would in a sense soften the blow, regardless of the fact that it was a full velocity behind that blow. Mm-hmm. So essentially, yeah. So is it is it the vocalization of any word, or is it? Is there a value in the repetitive word like kia is specifically used for breaking faces and boards and yeah yeah and and so you're you it, mentally train yourself yeah, to that it, yeah yeah is it like kind of like a Pavlovian response where like that that word kia gives you that extra five percent of power or is it like something um, or it reduces the, the or is there, flow or something or is the yeah. phonetic mechanics of going kia like the strongest word. Yeah, like word. the vocal interpretation of your physical. Right. Is there is yeah. there a word that maybe give you like an extra 2% of power? Like, Pah! maybe that's maybe, or, or is it, you know, just like a tradition that this, it's kia, you know? What It'd be I, interesting to, to find out, like, what's the most powerful word to punch and kick to or to be mm-hmm. punched and kicked at or like for reducing pain. to your own advantage. Maybe like cunt would be like a better way that to, to kill work. the pain, you know? You're not allowed to use that word in 2020. There's a focus group that's going when to be very disappointed with you yeah. when you're when you're in pain it's warranted yeah right all when, bets are off then the most pain i've ever experienced is when i broke my back when i bombed it on a skateboard and uh if you imagine jumping off a two-story building basically and landing right on your butt on the concrete that's about how fast and hard i hit my butt on the concrete and i i you screamed, ate it hard bro i ate it hard i screamed what were you doing I was skateboarding. What were you doing on the skateboard? Yeah, what? Yeah. I was I was on a longboard and I was coming. <laughs> down. <laughs> You're a longboarder. It wasn't Pussy. a longboard. No, I'm, long- I'm fucking with you. No, so longboards go longboards go a bit faster than regular skateboards. Big so, time. Yeah, so like you might see videos online of longboarders bombing hills at like 40, 50 miles an hour. Uh, the one in Southern California gets it a lot. 
like yeah. in the Santa Barbara area and shit. Yeah. Like people will longboard pretty hard on those. And there's no brakes on a skateboard. You can maybe drag your foot or you can you can turn, right? Which basically has the effect of slowing you down. I was going down a bike path that had barely any room to S turn to slow me down. So I was just going straight down this hill and I thought that the bike uh, path would just continue once the the hill bottom out, but it didn't. It ran right into a street perpendicular. So I was coming yeah. down, bombing down this uh, hill. That was going way too fast. My board started getting speed wobbles, so you have to crouch down to minimize the speed wobbles, which just makes you go faster. And I'm like, okay, I'm just going to ride it out. Oh, shit, there's a street. I have a second to think. I pop off the first curb. I jump off my board because if I slam into the next curb, I'm going to flip onto my face. Yeah, or... you had a, that was some real deal shit. Yeah, now, so well, I jumped that's off. That's why they call it bombing. Yeah. <laughs> Jumped off, landed on my butt, and yeah, I mean, I, I screamed uncontrollably for 30 seconds, 60 seconds, I, I don't remember, but like... Did I, you scream swear words? No, it was just, I just uncontrollably, it felt like my whole pelvis had been shattered. Yeah. I, I was actually very surprised that my pelvis didn't break, but it was my back. That's yeah, crazy. that's a... I think um, that is a stigma, that's why I laughed at you. The, long, <laughs> the, the whole longboarding versus like shredding mm-hmm. kind of thing like uh, there is a stigma in skateboarding that's that like, longboarders are pussies well when you look at most longboarders they're usually just like amateur going somewhere real quick they bought, <laughs> yeah. they're know, just cruising around they're, they're wearing their hurley shirt doing some lame shit <laughs> yeah. so mike to answer your question from before um the swearing i guess brings out an emotional response in the speaker and that activates your nervous system and and influences your amygdala so, so swearing maybe, does have something to do, at least a little bit. So maybe that's probably what the whole point of the Kiai was, was. Well, right. There's yeah. like a, there's like an emotional response, yeah. like because we like, were cut. that was the thing. It's like we were trained specifically to use that word <laughs> in those scenarios. Yeah, like, and when that's the only word we were allowed to use, if we didn't Kiai right, we had to do it again and all that other shit like that. I don't know how this yeah. connects to like that. I still remember the story. word too. It was a. Uh, Kia sports sedan. No, it was. Uh, we had to say us, like that when was it. Yeah, or oh, okay. or throw or throw a blow, either th- receiving or giving. We would say us, and this was a uh, specific to a form called rimbukai. This was the one that I was trained in. Yeah, I did, I remember when I heard it, I was like us, hmm. like what the fuck is this? But you Helps. train your like to this day. I still remember that word specific to throwing or receiving a blow. Mm-hmm. Which also sounds really bad. (laughs) 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 Sorry, I had to. (laughs) We just got glared at by Nina. (laughs) No, but like uh, tennis players, when they swing, right? Like, ah, you know, they make a noise. Yeah, they let out a definite cry. It's like a warrior's cry almost. Yeah, Yeah, it's interesting to think that breath and voice makes a difference in those kinds of things but obviously it does yeah Yeah. and the article brings those things up too like for athletes and and things where that's just sort of like an automatic response but as far as the study with the f-word goes apparently it worked better for people who didn't swear as often so i don't know how that really applies to the karate thing where like every time you threw a punch you were told to make that sound well but then again it's not a swear word and it's not taboo in society so i feel like that has something to do wait wait so the people that cursed a lot the fuck word didn't drop the pain as much yeah so people that don't cuss that much it's like they're saving up their fucks for for really painful it's it's the mental thing behind it because it's like well i'm letting out i'm now doing the I'm now saying the worst thing I could ever say, yeah. so to speak, because according to South Park, fuck is the worst word that mm-hmm. you could say. Well, I think cunt is. That's probably, yeah. <laughs> so I don't know. There's This one doesn't mention that word, but I bet somewhere <laughs> there's been a study where people say that. It's still, well, I mean, in, in, in Great Britain, no one gives a shit about yeah. that word. Yeah, but then it wouldn't work as well for them. Yeah, that yeah. probably doesn't work as well for them. Mm-hmm. But if we were yeah. like, God, like when somebody did something pain. bad to us, like yeah. all of a sudden it's like, yeah. Maybe I should switch because I said fuck way too many times. Gotta I'm, switch it up. Yeah. Gotta switch it up. Gotta Their go. heart rates increased also when they swore. These people who didn't swear as often. Pussies. <laughs> so I feel like yours, yours wouldn't probably at this point. I can maintain low um, heart rate and low blood pressure and drop out bombs. Fuck. So yeah, I've worked up my fuck resilience. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. So Mike, you're all set for pain. We're going to kind of jump all over the place from topic to topic in this episode. So... I'm fucking sorry, but I don't have a very good segue for mm. this one. Uh-oh. 
But uh, I would have ruined sure, it anyway. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like you like, know, I'm sure you don't fucking care anyways. People no. are probably fucking tired of our goddamn segues. <laughs> so, anyways, um, this uh, company, this AI startup, is um, smearing mouse neurons on a silicon microchip in order to create a hybrid computer that kind of works like a brain. Hmm. So what Sounds they do is ominous. they have this uh, computer chip and they have a mesh of tens of thousands of electrodes. And then they smear these uh, mouse neurons and stem cells along with some other chemicals to help them bind. And the mouse neurons actually interface with the mesh electrodes and so that you can directly stimulate and pick up on the mouse neuron neural activity. So you have this hybrid of biological and synthetic computer brain amalgam thing going on. So are the neurons controlling the silicon cap or the other way around? They're like working in a Both. synergistic, okay. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So- mm, That's really creepy yeah. and cool, but yeah. also creepy. Like, uh, a, a crude way of maybe putting it as be like uh, computers maybe have kind of like a linear way of of crunching numbers and data and go about solving things. Yeah, lines of code. Lines of codes, yeah. ones and zeros, whereas you can have a worm that only has 300 neurons uh, do far more um, complex tasks and behaviors. Mm -hmm. It's interconnectedness right. instead of just like driving towards a right. conclusion. You could take you know, a, a simple outdated computer or like video game system from the eighties. Mm -hmm. If you, if you arrange it the way like neurons of a brain work together, you'd be able to get much more out of it. So where they're at, and this is just rough analogies really too, right? But where like, you know, chip makers like Intel and all of them are at right now is they're trying to make computer chips that act like brains. And this is like a huge step in like, uh, uh, a blend of hardware and genetics and biology. It's crazy. And of course, they're they're hoping to to scale it up, right? Like right now, of course, can't um, just be this. Right now, I think they they have like twenty two thousand uh, mouse neurons. Yeah. Yes, okay. That they're interfacing with these microchips. Um, so it's like one microchip with mm -hmm. all the like electrode net. Right. And then. 22,000 mice neurons. Yes. And that's like the little cap mm -hmm. parts. Okay. And um, so they're they're hoping to, to scale up the, this hybrid. So you get to the human brain, which has like 10 billion neurons or something like that. They're complexly interconnected. Like you've got some neurons that have thousands of connections. Yeah. Um, you know, roughly put it like it's more about how those neurons connect and interact with each other rather than the sheer number because you can have flies that only have like 2,000 neurons or something like that and they get they're far more complex in behaviors and how they respond to their um, environment than our supercomputers that run on a kind of a traditional uh, setup so we're just inching closer and closer to that singularity where we have this hybrid living organism that is part machine part genetic or maybe it's more one than the other but regardless yeah. it's going to be hyper intelligent and aware more so than than humans and also not a pure robot so then we get into the ethical questions of how do we treat this thing mm -hmm. we can't just program it to do whatever we want or maybe we can because mm -hmm. look at how we treat lab rats and lab mm -hmm. mice but i don't know is that right yeah, and in as maybe a twenty thirty episodes ago, we talked about how you can train supercomputers that have algorithm learning things in them or whatever that you can train them to read through the outcomes and cases, mm -hmm. and based on what you feed it on, like the ten thousand court proceedings on that subject, it can predict to like a ninety six percent or something like that. Uh, you know, it's ninety six percent correct and. Um, predicting the outcome of future cases. Yeah. You know, if a judge says like, oh, well, no, we, because of prior rulings, like this is how the patent law should go. And so I rule in favor of this. The AI is like 96% correct in predicting those outcomes. And like what happens when you get AI that is better or more fair at, you know, these kinds of court 
uh, things or like, you know, city planning? What if you have computers that are better at city planning than humans are? I'm honestly more okay with computers handling city planning than like ruling in cases because at least a judge is a human. And if you're, you know, like you get the jury of your peers, like Mm -hmm. the jury shouldn't be robots. Why should the judge, Mm -hmm. you know? And we're all, we all know that humans are fallible and, you know, humans are swayed and juries are selected by the prosecutors and defender, you know, so like, you know, and then like what, what happens when you get a city planning AI that says like, nope. You shouldn't put a business there. You should wait ten years to build a bit, put in businesses over here, and you should shouldn't put neighborhoods there. You should put neighborhoods over here instead, and you should arrange it like this, yeah, not like that. And you've got developers that say, yeah, but we can't make as much money off it that way, and mm-hmm. we want to develop the neighborhoods like this right here, right now, so that we maximize profit. But you have computers that know more, you know better. <laughs> well, then this, the thing is, this like, is what should you we get. should we program the computers? to focus on money or human quality of life oh yes what we need is Skynet as long as it's (laughs) self-aware not a bad cover better than anything I ever did on this podcast (laughs) (laughs) Keep talking. I'm just going to let the whole thing play. Oh, okay. no, no, no. I want to let yeah. people hear the whole thing. As far as well. Might be hard to hear me over the music. That's the uh, Terminator 2 anthem, in case you didn't know. <laughs> I love how they're having these, like, test machines do Pong. They were playing Pong as, like, a, a test of their ability. <laughs> oh, right, yeah. So yeah. That's, that's, that's what they did with the, the silicon uh, mouse interfaces. They have it playing Pong. So we're not quite to the Skynet, you know. No, we're at Pong uh, level, level right now. We're, we're at Pong, but. <laughs> we'll get there. In a single generation, two generations, we went from Pong to fucking Call of Duty, so. There you go. Yeah. Now, maybe not in this generation, but the next, we'll, we'll be dealing with uh, city planning <laughs> AI. It's called SimCity, dude. We already have it. <laughs> SimCity was a great game. See? Yeah. And uh, so interestingly, in our next uh, segue to the next thing is um, surveys have shown that people don't want to just put it all in the hands of AI, no yeah. matter how trustworthy or dependable they may seem. Surveys say people want humans to double check on and have the final word on uh, AI stuff. Yeah, yeah, until AI realizes it doesn't need that. Well... And then... <laughs> right. Yeah, we don't want to get to that point. scheduled for termination. Right. <laughs> they can say no to humans checking their work, I guess. But yeah, the majority of the public doesn't want AI to make any mistakes. And they mm-hmm. also believe that any company that builds that AI should be held accountable for the mistakes AI makes, you know? So it's still like, yeah, checked by humans, but also humans are responsible for anything the AI does. That makes sense to me. Um, I don't know. It's kind of creepy to think of like a complete artificial intelligence control with no human involvement anymore because humans are still the ones building the machines, you know? Well, You could just release them into the wild and be like, go ahead and, you know. I mean, so like if you take like Tesla and self-driving cars, yeah. what if when we get to the point of like self-driving cars are more efficient, better drivers than, than humans that are, you know, not very good to start with, plus they're texting, plus they're drunk or plus they're tired or, yeah. you know, plus they've got road rage when you've got computers interfacing with each other, maybe 10 years from now, 20 years from now, whatever, they're better drivers than humans you're still going to get some accidents. Mm-hmm. And so Tesla's on the on the hook for, for that. I don't know. Or, I mean, yeah, I mean, it's a hard... the technology, you know? like That's one way of maybe slowing down the rise of AI industry. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, at the same time, like you got you to gotta know, like at some extent, like there's always going to be some traffic accidents and... Yeah, and if you and if you put Tesla on the hook, then we're not going to get to that point where we actually have that's true they don't safer be driving. Liable. So then, yeah. right, yeah. right, they're, they're going to be so held liable that they won't go through with it, which means we're stuck with human driving, which means we're stuck with more accidents, more road rage, mm-hmm. and it would be nice to just hang out in a car and not have to drive it. It would be. I do like being a passenger a lot. I really like riding the train. I haven't mm-hmm. done it in a while. But I think if we get to the point where we have self-driving cars and that's the norm, I would still want the option of driving a car myself when I felt like it. 
Okay. Because yeah, otherwise, so it's like you're such a like neutered society at that mm. point. It's like, have I mean, it's fun to like fucking floor it sometimes yeah, yeah. just be like country road fuck it and sometimes bad stuff happens but sometimes it doesn't they'd have to have like uh like private right racetracks or courses where you can drive Only a motorcycle or a car to, you know however fast you want like yeah. raise your hand if you know how to drive a stick i'm raising my hand right now yeah me too yeah i don't know how to drive one yeah but that's a that's like a dead thing mm-hmm. now like how thanks many a lot for killing uh, <laughs> stick killing, yeah. Nina. yeah thanks for killing fun hey um, you know <laughs> I like my stuff to be automated and easy. Like, like that's the thing is to say how many people actually buy a car with a stick these days. Definitely a minority. Yeah. yeah how it's, many are actually to, made? Yeah, yeah. It's hard to yeah. find a car with a stick. You know, that's a, that's a th- that's why there are, and you can call us ricers if you want, but there's so many civic enthusiasts is because they're still made with a stick. Like mm-hmm. some of them are still made with a stick. Yeah. The thing I like about this article, I think the most is, and you kind of said this before we know with Tesla is like, we're never going to get, really really good ai unless it makes mistakes along the way when people are programming it like we're gonna have to allow it to make some mistakes and the only way to do that is to keep using it and practicing and well yeah so and you, it needs to learn from them too. yes it, need, it needs practice and repetition that's basically what a lot of these learning things do is you feed it thousands of pictures and you're like okay figure it out what's an animal what's yeah. a human face and it, and it learns the more you feed it right what's a trash bag blowing in the wind yeah you know <laughs> You can hit that. <laughs> that makes me think of like Amer- uh, American Beauty. Oh, yeah. The plastic bag. Yeah. The most beautiful thing in the world. God. Ahead <laughs> <laughs> of its robot. time. Yeah. <laughs> no, yeah. But that's not that it is how it learns. But so, yeah. I mean, you have the programs learn and learn and learn and learn and learn until they're 99.9999% efficient. Yeah. And then And then you bring it out to the market or public. I think the problem too is like people are so used to expecting, well, maybe not expecting, but like we have this idealized dream of technology being perfect. And it's like, if it gets to the point where it's 99.9999% mm-hmm. accurate, I think humans might just be like, well, that's not perfect. So why can't I just drive instead? I want the yeah. robot to be perfect, you know? Sorry, Karen, you're not the world's perfect driver. <laughs> but like technology fucks up all the time and we're so used yeah. to seeing that. That's another thing that's scary. Yeah, and then you uh, you open up the uh, you know possibility of hackers and yeah. viruses and all that kind yeah. of stuff. So there's no there's no easy answer, folks. All right, just don't have cars. Babe. You know we you know what we should do we should just fuck it all, go back to the Stone Age. Oh shit! Just simpler times. You know? Why can't we just stack stones on top of each other and it's true. call it a day? That worked a long time ago, and they're still around today. They didn't get destroyed or anything. Yeah. Where where can I go to find these these relics of a simpler time? Nina? Good old Stonehenge. Good old Stonehenge. Which I would like to visit. I've never been, but Mike and I both have um, you English wanna... and Irish roots, and I think it'd be cool to go there as a couple. And we should we should it. go there for a, for a six degrees of rumination yeah. podcast. Yeah, who wants to sponsor us? Anyone? <laughs> we'll go there. We'll, and we'll hold a back contest. Yeah. three <laughs> lucky winners get to sponsor us. Yeah, and. One lucky random uh, winner will get to be an intern. Oh, and get to go with us to and pay their own way. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, yeah, that's the intern life. If you uh, listen to '97, you realized that I'm still waiting on my first paycheck for being a right. Producer but on that's this only podcast, an episode ago. Like yeah. we could still get there. You know, some of our episodes are kind of hit and miss, up and down. Episode '97, that that was a good one. If you're, if you're listening to this one, you need to go back and listen to '97 too. The yeah, best one and all the rest of them. I remember '95 and Still Alive was a pretty good one too. Yeah, did we really call it that? I have to. Look I back. said it a couple times. Yeah, it was I only like our Christmas that. episodes. That was great. Oh, that was a great one. Fucking yeah. Christmas. Anyway, as you were saying, Stonehenge. So Stonehenge is this ancient, you know, monument, a ring of stones. But um, there has been a new discovery there, which I think is really interesting. And um, there is a, a ring of at least 20 prehistoric shafts about two miles. <laughs> yeah, I left that phrase in for you guys. About two miles from um, the original Stonehenge that we know and love. So they found that ring. <laughs> Dates back to 2500 B.C. So, ta-da, new I never stuff, realized new how, old stuff at Stonehenge. I never realized how phallic Stonehenge can be. How can you not realize? Like, look <laughs> at those, like, you know, mono, like... Monolithic. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Shafts. But then they're topped with a confusing square. And it's like, that's not quite, you know... Well, that's I, why it's confusing. <laughs> you know, some of them are more 
phallic than others. It's astonishing to me that they just now found that. Like, I know. They, they haven't been surveying the area. Like, they're just like, nope, this is it. I there mean, I can't guess, possibly be anything else that's going on around the area. I guess they missed it in the surveys, but um, they were researching, I guess, the pits. So maybe <laughs> <laughs> it was like slightly buried. They didn't see it at first. Um, shafts and pits, huh? Yeah, exactly. So, like, how big are these shafts and pits? Hmm. So, the circle is more than two kilometers in diameter. That's 1.2 miles for you, uh, American. Non European, yeah. It's the Americans. No one else goes by this standard. I know. Okay, and so each one of these astonishing shafts, if you will, measures up to 10 meters or 33 feet in diameter and five meters or 16 feet deep. Yeah, how did they miss this? Right, 33 feet wide holes. That are 16 feet deep, like not that far away from Stonehenge. You know what? Though, circling like, all around it. The question is, I mean, if you look at this area, I'm sure there are a whole bunch of rocks just like, you know, there. And so depending on how far apart these astonishing shafts are, maybe they didn't see a pattern until they all like brought their research together and realized, hey, this is a circle, you know. And if you look at the picture when we post this, the circle um, goes around the... Um, as circles Original usually site. do go All around. Right. <laughs> yeah. So, anyway. How yeah, do- see, like, so they study, it's one of the most studied archaeological landscapes on Earth, and they somehow missed this until now. They're still finding it. That's crazy. Stuff. But then again, like, also that's a testament to how intricate and beautiful this area is, that we're mm-hmm. still discovering new stuff about it. So, Speaking of discovering new things, yes, crystals have been around for a long time. Yes, and- they have. Magical and they're not crystal. they're not quite stones. No, okay. They're they're like they're like pretty looking stones and and some people think they have magical properties. They're sparkly shafts. They're, they're sparkly <laughs> shafts. <laughs> and I mean like crystals do have some amazing qualities like uh, like piezoelectric uh, effects of of like squ- you know you press hard on quartz and it creates electric current. Will like, it get rid of my arth- my arthritis? How hard do you have to press? What? A medium amount. Okay. <laughs> if I rub a crystal on my knuckles, will it get rid of arthritis? Probably not. Why? In fact, it, it might just make it worse. Because the currents yeah. aren't going to like yeah. tell your joints to behave, I guess. So anyways, um, I just came across this new discovery um, um, today. This is an article that came out just yesterday. It's July 14, 2020 right now. So I'm going to back it up a little bit. When you think about like what is heat, what is heat mm-hmm. energy? Well, you, you zoom in with a microscope, you look at the molecules and the atoms, and they're kind of bouncing around basically randomly. They're shaking and vibrating and moving around in a random, chaotic kind of way. And we call that random kinetic movement heat. It is experienced and perceived as heat. And it's somewhat unpredictable and randomized, right? So in certain crystals, you have this intrinsic heat, right? Because it's not absolute zero. You have these this vibration of the molecules. Well, under certain circumstances, those that random vibration movement that's experienced as heat um, coalesce and have some sense of order, and they can actually create a unified wave of mechanical movement and kinetic wave of mechanical energy. Okay, you think, well, okay, that's got to happen pretty randomly. Like, maybe every once in a while, like, the forces align, and just so happens that a bunch of these molecules all push all in one direction by chance. A one in a million chance, these, this random movement of heat will create this wave. And then that, that wave would obviously die out real quickly. Well, they found a, a way to, where it actually amplifies. The mechanical energy actually gets bigger for a moment which is really weird that just out of nowhere, heat just spontaneously comes into order and Mm. creates mechanical energy. It's almost like magic. It's almost like magic. But it's science. But it's science. (laughs) Science is like magic sometimes. Science is like... Until we know like what's happening. Yeah, magic is, is not understanding the cause and effect of what's going on. And then once you understand it, we don't call it magic anymore. But it is still kind of magical. Yeah, the understanding is magical. The process can be magical. So, yeah, so there's, it's a cool phenomenon, and they call it ballistic resonance, where only, where mechanical oscillations can be excited only due to internal thermal resources. Hmm. It's kind of a nerdy, weird little thing that's going on. But, yeah, basically, heat somehow organizes itself, and it creates 
energy momentarily mm-hmm. and then it can actually ramp up so it's almost like a, a free energy almost like a perpetual motion kind of thing that's what i was thinking of when you said yeah, yeah. like the, it increased and even though it eventually goes out mm-hmm it has enough momentum to like push itself beyond yeah. um, its initial burst. So I wonder if there's applications in this for anything besides yeah. recording it in a lab. Yeah. So yeah, they're they're excited to see if they can get this um, with graphene. Graphene mm-hmm. is a hexagonal um, lattice of carbon atoms, where if you put carbon atoms in a squarish lattice, it takes on the properties of diamond. If you make it a a two-dimensional sheet that, that doesn't have any depth it's just one atom thick you put in like a honeycomb hex, a hexagonal lattice it's graphene and it has completely different properties where it conducts electricity incredibly well and it's stronger than diamond or steel or anything oh, like that okay. and so um yes it'd be interesting to, they're interested to see like can we can you basically harvest harvest the natural heat, the chaotic heat, and actually get a mechanical wave out of there and and get a new source of energy and phenomena of basically for free or mm-hmm. nearly from free. Because one of the fundamental laws of physics is the law of entropy, whereas basically everything will, along enough timeline, everything becomes more disordered and random and eventually basically dies and becomes disorganized. That is the, the path of nature on a... On a purely physical level it doesn't naturally become more complex yeah more uh, ordered more yeah efficient. more ordered yeah it's 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 falling apart basically the universe, universe is dying but this is a cool way of like oh actually there's a little spike of complexity of energy that you might be able to harvest yeah, right before the death right before the death slow down so crystals for the win yeah exactly they are magical in a way <laughs> And we've got even more hope coming down the pipeline with Ooh, these next couple. More uh, hope? Is that possible? More hope. Um, there's <laughs> Wait, a, this is hope? Oh, I guess yeah, so. Yeah, this is, right, there, okay, there, yeah. There's, there's still hope. I mean, speaking of entropy, but yeah, go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there's, uh, there's some kind of bacterial enzyme that can break down plastic bottles uh, for recycling in hours. Scientists mm. have just created it. So there's hope that we can we can deal with the plastic problem with yeah. this bacterial enzyme. So what you're saying is we can continue to make as much plastic as we no. want and waste it. No, no, these no, no, enzymes no, no, no. are going to save our lives. Are no. these enzymes like eco-friendly? You know, I don't know because I didn't read the article. Oh. Did you, Nina? We're going to read it right now, then, oh, I guess. Oh, shit. Oh, shit. Live reading. So the scientists discovered this enzyme in a compost heap of leaves. So to answer Mike's question, I feel like it's probably going to be pretty eco-friendly. Um, I don't know. I mean, it came from organic matter. They're hoping that within the next five years, they'll be able to scale it up for, like, industrial recycling. Yeah. So yeah. plastic is fine to keep making. Well, in five years' time, at these places... I'll save all my plastic for five years. S- yes, you can feed your plastic to, to the them. pile of leaves with bacteria in it. So they partnered, I guess, with Pepsi and L'Oreal to develop this enzyme. That's interesting. I mean, they make a lot of plastic products, mm-hmm. especially Pepsi. So, yeah. Which is really important because we might not think about it, but like these little tiny bits of plastic, like it gets into our water system Yeah, it and gets it can be hard totals. to filter out of the water or filter out of the animals or plants that feed off that water. So it's not just like, Oh yeah, we got a bunch of plastic bottles like in a fucking dump site. So what? Or outside out of mine. It's like, yeah, so what? The oceans are kind of a little bit polluted, even though they're very polluted. Yeah. Um, it's the, it's the microplastics. So you have, all this, all these carcinogens mm, that's true that are just pervasively through our entire ecosystem making more if... and more havoc so like the more we can get these kinds of enzymes out on the market the better we're going to be off yeah i guess the scientists like they've they've worked on helping the enzyme mutate so it can be more efficient at breaking down the plastic bottles mm-hmm. so that's something that's a, a point for genetically modified organisms. Right. There is a benefit to modifying organisms. We can speed up the evolutionary process to our advantage. Mm-hmm. Science one, hippies zero. Oh, shit. <laughs> um, and then another uh, ray of hope um, is... Yeah, here we go. Um, it's not just dust uh, and wind. A Dutch company 
has found a design for like a windmill, or not a windmill, but a wind turbine. Yeah. For all you turbine lovers, um, it's a it's a fairly small. Is that a thing? <laughs> I'm sure somewhere it is. Well, at the beginning of the our episode, we were pandering to the turbine lovers. Right. We always kind of are. Anyways. There's these turbines that are <laughs> scalable. They're not, they're not huge ass eyesores. They're these small spiral looking pinwheels that you can throw on top of your house and it can produce approximately half the energy that you need hmm, to run your household. So that's that's pretty fucking cool. You could throw some solar panels. They said like if you had like some of those like Tesla solar panels on your roof, plus this windmill, like you probably wouldn't need um uh, to uh, get your energy from from other sources. Yeah. Of course, yes, it depends on how sunny the climate you live in and how windy it is. It does. But, it'd be, but it's cool that you'd be able to diversify. You'd be able to have uh, some of it come from solar. You could have some of it come from wind and maybe some other sources too. Yeah. I think the important question here is, do these turbines come in different colors? Because people are going to want to color coordinate with their homes. Yeah, I'd hope so. I mean, it can't be too hard to paint a, a turbine. But yeah, yeah like this they, one is blue. This one's blue. I think I saw like some pink ones too. And it's oh like, yeah, yeah. Nah. Down here, there's a yellowish one. And okay, right. so yeah, I mean, they they look they definitely aren't like I wouldn't call them beautiful, but they're probably more attractive than the ones in the past have been, yeah. and like I mean, the huge industrial ones. People throw satellite dishes up on top of the roofs to watch those. TV, and like that's kind of an eyesore. But it's like yeah. you know, so what? We get we get fucking used to it, you know. I think um, you know it's like oh, so wait, you got some solar panels on your roof? It doesn't look like a normal roof whatever like you know after mm. a few years people kind of get used to seeing solar panels and wind wind turbines on on roofs so there you go we're getting better with our renewable Ooh. resources and whatnot. more hope and for all you blind people out there listening to us take a look at this no <laughs> <laughs> um this is gonna what be a ca- jerk <laughs> hey you know we haven't had a pun in a while i thought i would throw one out there that's not a pun that's that's a, a jab i thought i'd throw one of those too <laughs> <laughs> but no this this really is cool um we've talked a while or like several times on the podcast about like how to help people do things despite um damage that's been done to their brain and i think we've talked about helping people who've lost their vision also um, remember the app where you can use where yeah you, where right you can be, be so my ins- eyes yeah be my eyes yeah yeah i mean that one's a little less like i don't know that one's more just technology with an assistant and this one is like directly i don't know helping them circumvent the problem in their brain and like um i don't know using their eyes and bypassing using their brain and bypassing their damaged eyes yeah, yeah. so like the camera is their eyes and it's feeding information to their brain, but it's doing it in kind of a violent way. I think it sounds a little. I They're placing electrodes to the visual cortex, stimulating in a specific way so that people can perceive shapes. So they're putting electricity in their brain. Yeah, they're shocking them, and, I, and sounds... I don't know if it hurts. We don't have, you don't have um, pain receptors in your brain. Oh, I learned that from Hannibal. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, <laughs> so I, I doubt that it hurts. Yeah. Um, I think what's important to realize is uh, uh, vision is really complex. So when we visualize something in our minds or we're seeing or watching anything in front of us, it's, it's actually a pretty complex process where there's like at least a dozen or maybe more parts of the brain that are working individually and they come together eventually to form the image that you're perceiving. So someone might be blind for various reasons yes maybe like their eyes are damaged but mm-hmm. for other people it's like one of those dozen areas in their brain doesn't work for whatever reason basically this uh new technology bypasses that so like their eyes work fine but that part of their brain doesn't work well with the stimulation with the electric currents and whatnot whatnot they're able to perceive very basic uh things it's kind of crude right now it's, we're at the yeah. pong level of Right, of, of, of visual stimulus, yeah. yeah. Shapes, maybe like extreme darks and lights, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. So then I guess if you could wire that electrode system to like a camera that maybe they wear as like a little headset, mm-hmm. the camera could interpret whatever it's viewing and yeah. turn it into electrical signals to stimulate the brain so that the wearer could 
then see what the camera's seeing. It is kind of crazy that we can do that with technology. I don't know. I think, like, mm-hmm. and it's still so hard to, like, do eye transplants the way that, like, in the last episode we talked about hand transplants. But I mean, you can't <laughs> if you want to go back to episode ninety-seven and hear about that. Um, I guess this is easier than like trying to give people new eyes or fixing any neural damage. Right. Kind of like how dealing with uh, spinal cord injuries and paralysis, yeah. instead of trying to reconnect severed spinal cord, they just do it wirelessly. There's this uh, sender and receiver from the limb to the brain. Mm. But if the Wi-Fi is down, you're fucked. You can't move yeah. your arms. <laughs> well, you're, you were fucked to begin with. So <laughs> That's true. Yeah. How is it worse? Yeah. But yeah, I, I always think it's cool. And, and you know that old question, would you rather be blind or deaf? I still pick deaf. You'd rather be, be deaf than devastating blind? Devastating to be blind, yeah. So, yeah. I, just, I use my eyes. Right, exactly. I use my eyes so often as an artist. And, you know, I... That is a human. I would... Right, yeah. I'm not a human. I would miss music a lot. It's hard It's hard to make that decision, but I still am leaning towards I'd rather be deaf. Yeah, I think functionally it'd be, probably be harder to be blind than to be deaf. But to, to not have music would be a death blow to me. I That's think I might, I might have to be blind. Mike, you're the tiebreaker. Too many ugly people. I'll go deaf. I mean, I'll go blind. I'll go go. blind. I can't go deaf. I mean, I'm a musician. You know what I mean? Yeah. I can't give that up. I'm not Beethoven. I can't figure this shit out without my ears. (laughs) Right? Yeah. Fuck you, Beethoven. Yeah. (laughs) I'll just write this shit. It's cool. I hear it in my head. Yeah, Yeah, whatever. Vibrations. Okay. Fucking jerk. (laughs) You could still, like, hear, you could still feel, like, bass music. Like, you could feel drum and bass a loud amplitude but you can't experience like an entire symphony orchestra oh cool small vibrations are happening on my feet right now (laughs) wonderful this is totally (laughs) the song this is the best musical experience i've ever had no dude i'm with you i'd rather be i think i'd rather be blind ultimately yeah Yeah. i'm good i mean i don't i would miss driving though you would yeah if we had self-driving cars you wouldn't have to would even suck. worry about that i mean maybe maybe just, just get an app i'll tell you like turn right now no no rider be no, my one more left there it is speed up a little bit no, slow down you know those apps always like turn right now it's like you're halfway through the fucking yeah. intersection it's that would like, be cool if there were things like you know so, no other drivers no lane lines then you could it's do like it you didn't quickly. think about telling me this like you know 30 seconds ago yeah planning ahead it's a thing well, for those of you who said you would rather be deaf than blind, I've got news for you about hearing. So it's widely thought to be the last sense to go in the dying process. Would you change your answer? Just saying. Wait, hearing's the last one to go? Hearing's the last sense. Mm-hmm. So when your family's standing over you crying and bawling because you're on your way you, out. You get one less chance to feel guilty about leaving them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yeah, so... People have thought that for a long time, um, but there was a study published recently that was trying to, you know, I guess prove that thinking. Um, And they used EEGs to analyze um, a healthy control group and also hospice patients um, that had become unresponsive and were clearly, you know, hours from death. Um, And they fed them different stimuli to see if their ears picked up on it. Um, obviously the healthy control group heard the stimuli, um, but so did the people who were hours from death and they, uh, responded, um, or I guess like, you know, they could tell from the brain waves that they were at least hearing the sounds if they couldn't like physically respond to them, their brain was still picking them up. So, um, I think that's cool. So talk to dying humans and animals cause they can, they can still hear you. Mm-hmm. Even if it seems like they can't, mm-hmm. their their brain is picking that up. Now I don't know if I'm clear on like how well the brain processes the audio they're hearing. But, yeah, you know. I don't think this article was explicit enough in in how much people are perceiving or understanding versus yeah, they're just the brain is receiving signals. Yeah, it's at least of sound like waves. capable of of hearing still. Yeah, but I'm yeah, it kind of makes it to me it makes it sound like there is some level of of comprehension or perception of, of the sound. Yeah, I think so. Um, and yeah, so like Reno said, you know, talk to people who are passing away and animals and things like that. Um, I don't know. I think, I mean, even if we didn't have scientific evidence to show that your brain was picking up audio stimuli, I would still do it. I think that it's, yeah. you know, it's like an instinct to do. Or maybe that's mm-hmm. why an instinct, why it's an instinct, yeah. because we know that 
deep down we know we know what's gonna happen we know what's up yeah that's just like another like thing to tack on to like the fear of death it's like yeah actually you're gonna go blind too and you're gonna <laughs> right exactly you're, you're gonna shit yourself but <laughs> you're your ears you're gonna be hooked up to work. tubes and you're gonna go blind right yeah. before you die just 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 on top of that yeah the, the whole dying process fucking sucks it does but i mean i don't know that's that's part of life or rather the end of life yep. i guess but. do you believe in uh in past lives and reincarnation and stuff or uh i go back and forth on that i i think people who are convinced that they were like an egyptian queen in a past life and stuff like that is a little weird mm. i don't know how you can prove that um or everyone, everyone thinks that there is someone special or wants to think that there is someone yeah, special. Yeah, no one's like, I was a Roman peasant who was sentenced to death. You know, like, it's not, you know. I was. <laughs> wow, <laughs> there you go. The first one. But, I mean, in a small way, maybe, like, I believe there's a collective unconscious and we're all kind of aware of what happened, you mm-hmm. know, in the past. Like, the distant past and maybe the distant future. We have sort of, like an intuition about it that we can't put a finger on. And maybe that's where all of people's like psychic, I don't know, encounters come from. I kind of believe that. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm open to the idea, but like, I, uh, I, I don't know. No. I wouldn't like bet my life on it, but it's a nice <laughs> thought to be like, what if this, you know, I wouldn't bet my future life on it. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, it comes up a lot in like yoga and Buddhism and all that kind of, all kind of stuff. And uh, any any kind of spiritual uh, epiphanies or experiences that I had have, have not pointed to past lives, so I, I can't. What do they point to? If you want to get into that, uh, a connectedness of all things. Yeah. A, a mystical, a mystical uh, phenomenon in life. Yeah. Life is more than just the sum of its parts. It's not just animated atoms. There's 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 something deeper going on there, and I don't know what it is, but uh, it's there. And it's almost like a different uh, dimension or like a different like mode of, of yeah, reality it's that like it's 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 hard to fathom beyond or provable makes fact. sense yet. But I'm hoping that science will eventually get to the point of of seeing or realizing that stuff, um, or I'm kind of or hoping it wouldn't. It. Yeah, no, you don't want it disproven, do you? I, I want to know the truth. The truth sometimes is unknowable. But how do you know that? You just have to believe in <laughs> that's Jesus. That's, yeah, that, that's the thing I don't like. <laughs> I don't want science to prove everything. I like having some stuff mysterious. But this actually makes a really nice segue. Yes, of Life after does. death and seeing is believing. This, this is maybe one of my favorite uh, stories articles of, of this episode and if you've been hanging in with us this long you're in for a treat <laughs> um so <clears throat> i almost just want to read this verbatim yeah. from the washington post um but i'm gonna i'm gonna paraphrase just so we don't get sued oh okay that makes sense um but basically um it starts off with uh the one of the main characters in the story her name is noella Rocundo, and she the story starts with her waiting in her car. Mm, like we've all done. Just outside her home in Melbourne, Australia. And she's sitting there and she's watching people leave the funeral. She's waiting for more and more people to leave the funeral. It's her funeral. <gasps> and so finally, she makes a move. She gets out of the car and she confronts her husband, Uh-oh. who's at the funeral. And of course, he is fucking shocked as fuck at this. And uh, he, she recalls him saying, is it my eyes or is it a ghost? And she says, surprise, <laughs> I'm still alive, motherfucker. Pretty much. Um, so um, the husband was not um, uh, elated by this. He was terrified because the story is five days earlier, he had um, hired Hitman to kill her. Wow. What a great marriage. Yeah. Yeah. They were married for about 10 years. Oh, that explains it. And uh, I think maybe later on, um, they'll go on to describing why. But basically, um, he wanted to offer and off her, not offer. <laughs> and um, oh, so what had happened was that um, uh, the the husband, Belanga Kalala, um, 
he hired these group of men to go kill his wife. They took the money and they went and they kidnapped her. Oh, so kind of halfway. Yeah, they kidnapped her. They um, they tied her up and put um, a blindfold on her and uh, they and they drove off. Um, what? Sorry, let me backtrack a little bit. I was kind of jumping around reading this. Um, she was um, she was going to attend another funeral um, oh, for her stepmother, and then when she was going back to the hotel, her husband called and said, "Hey, you should go outside for some fresh air. Go outside for some fresh <laughs> air, hon. Yeah, go outside for some fresh air right now. Go outside." outside. For a second. And then that's when the guys nabbed her at gunpoint, and they said, "Don't scream. If you start screaming, we'll shoot you." Mm. Um, Da, 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 da. They transport her somewhere. That she says she is blindfolded so that she couldn't tell where they're going. After about 30 or 40 minutes, the car comes to a stop. And they take her out. They put her in a building and tie her to a chair. And then they ask her, you, woman, what did you do for this man to pay us to kill you? And she says, what are you talking about? And they said, Belanga sent us to kill you. Um, she thought that they were lying, and she laughed. And, and they said, you're a fucking fool. They... They called up oh, the husband. Messed up. They yeah. call up the husband, put it on speakerphone, and she hears her husband say, "Kill her." Wow. And she not and she coming said, back from that. She fainted right then and there. Well, could yeah. you imagine like hearing no. your spouse being like, "Yeah, kill her right now." I like, can't imagine that. Yeah, this she has fucking fainted. Um, do 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 do, and so once they came back, when she came back, um, from being fainted. Yeah, when she came to. Um, the men said that they weren't going to kill her. They didn't believe in killing women and that they actually knew her brother. Just, I don't know how or why, but they, they knew her brother. So they're not going to kill her. They're going to keep them the husband's money and tell him that they killed her. Oh, God. After two days, they set her free on the side of the road and they just gave her a cell phone and they gave her recordings of uh, phone conversations with the husband as as evidence and proof. This is the favorite part here. And they <laughs> <laughs> like what the fuck? <laughs> they gave they gave her the receipts hmm. for seven thousand dollars in Australian dollars that they had received in payment. Yeah, it's good to keep receipts. Yeah, <laughs> just just I to mean, prove. I'm also wondering, like, if they gave her, did they give her copies of the receipts? Probably or the, copies. Or, okay, because yeah. like they need to, you know, keep their. For- Tax Inventor, purposes. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> gotta gotta balance those records. At least claim half of that. You know, it's gonna look suspicious if right. you don't. So they left. They leave her <laughs> stranded on the side of the road with enough to, you know, with the cell phone and all that to get back and and uh, and have enough evidence to prosecute. No, no, no. But they also say like, so she said that they were telling her, "We want you to go back and tell other stupid women like you what happened." So like, don't misbehave, like whatever she did, which yeah. I guess we're gonna get to. But like, they wanted her to survive so she could like put the fear of Stopping kidnappers and stopping such a fucking bitch. That your husband so wants to kill you. <laughs> you know. Tell other women to do the same. Yeah, yeah. They, they, I mean, I mean, these are a bunch of guys that like the the husband entrusted that these are the kind of guys that would kill his wife. So yeah. like that kind of maybe gives you a hint as to like their their character moral standing. You right. Know? Even though they won't kill women. Right, that's that's exactly where they draw the line. Great, yeah. But, all right, so she, so she goes back. Um, she gets back to Australia. Uh, she sought help from the Kenyan and Belgian embassies to return to Australia because she went to Burundi. Yeah. For this, um, for this, uh, this funeral she is at, where oh, they, no. she got kidnapped. Yeah. So, um, she finds a way to get back into Australia. She calls up her pastor at the church in Melbourne and she and she told the BBC and explained to him what had happened, but she didn't tell her husband. Right, yeah. Her husband had reported that she died in a car accident and she's dead and, he, and he's, oh, you're so, you're so upset and it's so tragic. And the, the whole community thinks that she's dead and they plan a funeral. She doesn't tell him that. She doesn't tell him that she knows she's on to him. She just fucking shows up like a boss. Like a boss, exactly. Like a boss yeah. at her own funeral. See, if, if I were her, I would have like tried to like dress up 
Like a ghost. Like I put on the, the the glasses and the mustache and like a wig. Oh my god! <laughs> and and dress up and Sit I want to hear what people are saying at my funeral. Well, and that's isn't, true. Isn't that like, like a? a I don't think I'd want to hear that. No, you don't want to hear what people would say at your funeral. No, all the nice things. That would be weird. It would be. I would love to hear what people would say at, you know, at my funeral. Because then once they realize that you're alive, they can never be that nice to you again. Like they've already <laughs> used up all of their, you know, affection for you at the funeral. So I wouldn't want to hear it. I wouldn't <laughs> want them to know that I had heard it either. I, I, if, if there's some way to hear what people are saying at my funeral, I think that'd be awesome to hear all the nice, Just sweet things. Come back as a ghost. Or hear the, all, all the awful shit they're saying. Like, yeah, he's kind of cool, but he's kind of a dick. <laughs> Yada, yada, yada. I'd be like, well, fuck you too, yeah. Kyle. Um, but anyways, she didn't go that route. She just hung out in her car. Right. The safe route. <laughs> yeah. And then she confronted him. And he thought that she was a fucking ghost. He actually, like, um, like touched her shoulder to see if it was, like, physically solid. And he, like, jumped up in the air. Um, and then... Um, oh, God. At first, he denied that he, you know hired a hitman yeah, who wouldn't but eventually um uh she got him to admit it on a, con- a phone conversation that was being tapped by the police and this was his defense he goes sometimes the devil can come into someone to do something but after they do it they start thinking why did i do that thing later that's a great defense yeah yeah the sometimes sometimes you hire a hit on your spouse and they're like <laughs> sometimes you feel oh, bad oh what did i do oh let's just have a funeral and pretend like i didn't yeah and then when she comes back as a ghost, I mean, real person, you have to be like, why did I do that? Sorry. Mm-hmm. So he eventually pleaded guilty to the whole thing, and he was uh, sentenced to nine years. Only nine years? It's got to be because she didn't actually die, which is ridiculous because Maybe, yeah. his actions would have made her die. It was really like the gang of guys who decided not to kill her. That should have gotten leniency, not him. For all yeah. he knew, she was dead. Yeah. Um. And also, Australia doesn't, uh, I mean, most countries aren't as punitive as, as America is yeah. in, in most, you know, That's true. incarcerations. But can you imagine, like, do you think they stayed together after this? When he got out of prison? Oh, I hell wonder, no. I mean, like, can you imagine? Or even just, like, because they had eight children, and I think some of them were for a previous marriage. I read that back mm-hmm. up in the article. But, like, can you imagine being the kids after that and being mm-hmm. like, yeah, dad tried to kill mom, but <laughs> yeah. it's cool. He went yeah. to prison, now he's out, so yeah. visitation time. He said he was sorry, Mom. Come on. Right. Get over it. <laughs> he said it was the devil. Can he you didn't, just relax? He didn't actually kill you. Yeah. So, I thought that was a pretty entertaining story. Yeah. And that, this, um, this happened in 2015, 2016. Yeah, so, it's yeah. a little bit of an older story by Nina's standards. But <laughs> I'd love to have a where are they now on this one, though. <laughs> you know? Especially the kids, like, as you're growing up. Imagine that psychological impact. Jeez. Yeah. So, yeah. so there's, on that note, there's your uplifting end. <laughs> kill this podcast right here and there. Mm-hmm. For real. Not what like do you think people half-assed. would say about you at your funeral? I don't know. I mean, it's hard to talk. It's hard to like talk about yourself. You know, like when people say like, oh, describe yourself, like introduce yourself and describe yourself. Like it's really uncomfortable talking about yourself, yeah. describing yourself. And so, you know, it would be great is if you had to answer that question and it was recorded and then the recording is played at your funeral. <laughs> to open up the eulogy. Imagine get the having ball to do rolling. that. Yeah. Here's Reno on his take on Reno. <laughs> so yeah, I was, I was pretty awesome for most of the time. Like I wasn't like the best, but I was, I was pretty pretty good. Had a good time. Or like when teachers used to say, grade yourself on this project. You know? Yeah, you're like, like uh, grading yourself. I, I would always be like B minus just because I knew that they'd be like, no, it was better than that. And then they'd give me an A. Hmm. Or maybe a B plus. I'd kind of like lowball them. Mike, what would you say about yourself at your funeral? That's some self-reflection right there. I'll be brutally honest then. I think it would be a small funeral. There wouldn't be a lot of people. Per your wishes or? Just because I know what I yeah. think the turnout would be. I think I would say it would be a small funeral, maybe 25 people tops. So smaller than Trump's inauguration. <laughs> I say he's gonna win this year. Smaller uh, than his Tulsa. Oh my god! <laughs> rally coming. I would say it would be a smaller. Yeah. You know, there would be some people there out of obligation. <laughs> Nina. No. <laughs> <Come on. clears throat> I would like, make no, people go. 
Like there would I'd be make pe- sure Reno went. I think there would be people there uh, more out of like obligation than an actual desire to be there. Mm-hmm. The people that would want to be there would have true things to say about me. They wouldn't necessarily be the nicest thing, but I would probably be along the lines of like, I was a very straightforward person that showed I cared more through actions than I did through words. Really? Your words don't portray kindness? I'm just kidding. No, not at all. <laughs> I was like, what are you talking about? I think, I, I, I think that would be more along the lines of the people that knew me knew I was more of an act, action person than I was a word. Mm-hmm. I, didn't, I, I, didn't talk, I don't talk about feelings. And if I care about you, I showed it through action. I didn't show it through, I didn't show it through words or anything like that. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, I don't think I don't think uh, that my my funeral would go most mostly unnoticed. I think. Nina, what about you? Mm, I think mine would be small, but for maybe a different reason. Like I just don't have that many people that I interact with, but I think they'd say nice things about me. Yeah. That's it? You think they'd say nice things about you? Yeah, I don't think... I mean, I don't have as much to say about it as Mike did, but I think it'd be small also. Yeah. I don't know what they would say. I think everyone knows me for, like, different reasons, and they know, like, different aspects of me. Mm. No one's got the full picture yet? No. Don't put all your eggs in one basket. Exactly. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. All right, so now it's my turn. Yeah. What would my funeral be like? Well, it sounds like that I might have more people people at your your mind than yours. Yeah. Um, uh, I don't know. People would say that I'm, I tried to be a nice guy, even though I don't like most humans, <laughs> an extrovert, extroverted introvert who was curious and liked to learn and, uh, liked music and, and acrobatics. Mike, and write this down. We'll have a killer eulogy at Reno's funeral <laughs> just in case he passes away. <laughs> to quote him himself. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I don't, I, in a nutshell, yeah, that's how I describe myself. I guess is just curious and always wanted to know more and well-intentioned and and I like to have like to having a lot of friends. And on that note, yeah, on that funerary note, <laughs> on that very dark note, yeah, this has been Six Degrees of Rumination with your hosts Rena Gorman, Nina Boyd, and their fucking producer. Alive for now. Good. Alive for now. Good fucking night. (laughs) Good fucking night.